Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast with adult ingredients, just for Gen Xers who are getting to middle age and wondering how the fuck that actually happened. Thanks for joining us on the Podfix Network. I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Cheetah Biggs. And so we've been teasing a bit about having some upcoming guests. And tonight, we are joined by multi-hyphenate director slash realtor slash father slash author, Brian Belafont. And if I massacred your last name, feel free to slap me over the airways. Um, but he is the author of the new book, Spouse Hunting, Using Rules of Real Estate to Find the Love of Your Life, which I think is one of the best book titles ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian is going to talk to us a little about how looking for a house and looking for a spouse are essentially the same. Welcome. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> he <it> so well. <laughs> Oh, this drink is really good. It, it really is. is. It really is. Oh, my God. <sighs> we didn't even talk about that part yet. So uh, Brian <laughs> actually made this phenomenal cocktail selection for us. He had, so I have to back up just a little bit. Originally, I made the mistake of thinking we were recording on the 14th. And he was like, oh, my God, that's Bastille Day. So we should totally do this drink that was one of my favorites. And it's called the French Pearl. And it's kind of gimlety, and it's got gin, which, as you all know, I don't love. But gin, don't tell Gina. Don't tell Gina. Don't tell Gina. But I'm kind of starting to like it a little more. Don't tell, because I know. This is gin and lime juice, but it also has mint, which you can't go wrong with, and either pastis or absinthe, which is only just slightly different. And then it's got all of that with the mint. So, Brian... How did we do with the replication process on the of this? Like, is this how you remember it? And tell us where you found this drink because it's amazing. Okay, I'm going to start with the replication process. I think you guys nailed it. But uh, you know, yes! the recipe you sent me, I had two things I got to say about it. One is I love that it called out Plymouth Gin because yeah. a cinematographer from England, and he swore up and down that Plymouth Gin was the only gin to drink. And so he lives in Canada, and every time I go up to visit, I have to smuggle a couple bottles across the border because they can't get it there. So I have a special place in my heart for Plymouth Gin. Honestly, by the way, no law enforcement heard that. (laughs) Actually, I think I'm 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 permitted to bring two bottles. Okay, well then, law enforcement, you're he only ever brings two bottles. Okay, sorry. Yeah, never more. Yeah. So I forgot the other question. (laughs) <laughs> Where'd you learn about this drink? Okay, so I used to live near this place. It was like a, uh, uh, it was a patisserie and a. There's another French word where they make food. Boulangerie. That's it. No, not a boulangerie. Like a bistro. And okay. ooh, bistro. A bistro and a patisserie and a coffee place. And it was in my neighborhood, so I would bike there all the time. And the I went in there one day, and it was. We have this thing that happens in Portland where the weather in February, up to February, just sucks. And then we have two weeks of gloriousness where it's like 72 <laughs> and sunny. And then winter comes fucking roaring back. And that's the worst of it because you're like, I thought we were done. And some years it doesn't stop until July. Some years, you know, it's done in like March. But either way, it's like, can we just be done with the fucking rain and cold? But anyway, in the middle of that, in the beginning of that, 
I stumbled into this bar, talked to the bartender, and he's like, try this. And he gave me this drink. And I swear it's like spring exploding in your mouth to me. I agree. I agree. It's wonderful. It became a tradition. I would just come there like every beginning of March and have these until I felt better. It's, I mean, it's very gimlet because overall it is a gimlet with just to add a little bit of mint to the string, add a little bit of the absinthe or whatever. Now, I used absinthe. I know that Jeannie used the pastis. Which did you use? Did you use absinthe or pastis? I used pastis just because I wanted, because it's French. I mean, I know you can get French absinthe, but, you know, it just sounded so, partic- you know, so quintessentially right, French. Right. But I did, um, I used peppermint instead of spearmint because okay. we had the garden. Yeah, I've got a bunch of just regular mint. I don't know that I use spearmint, but I have just like regular mint growing in my yard. Like I have a fuck ton of it. <laughs> so I so this like, is, I'll just go grab this and smack it on my hand and here we go. <laughs> this is why John the Brit is so awesome. When we were getting um, uh, herbs for our little herb pot we keep in our kitchen window, um, he let me switch out sage for spearmint. So I actually have spearmint leaves you have legit spearmint nice yes i I mean are they sort of like i I wouldn't think that's a good substitution like when you're cooking like i don't know well yeah he gave up part of his cooking (laughs) i think i would be hard pressed to say i'd go for sage over spearmint because with sage when it comes to thanksgiving then i can make my stuffing and all of that stuff because that shit's the awesome well he he um had he usually gets basil, or as he says it, basil. Oh, well, that's stupid. But that's just what we're just about <laughs> saying. That basil is stupid. <laughs> he gets basil, parsley, and sage. And I'm like, can we switch out one of them for spearmint? And he sat there and the thought parsley. for a while. Wow. You know and what? he I kept the parsley. Par- I, I got parsley in my yard, and it just kind of went nuts. And I started cooking with it, and it's just fucking amazing i I don't i love it nuts too like if you don't put mint in a container it'll go crazy like i'm actually i have it in like this sort of container well it's not really a container it's just like a big square garden-esque sort of area and i'm hopeful that it'll just take over that whole space i've got half mint and half lemon balm which is amazing i hate that Um, stuff oh i love lemon balm it's amazing (laughs) But I did want to make a note quickly on the difference between Plymouth gin and like regular gin, because Plymouth gin actually has to do with the strength of the gin rather than the style. It's a little bit less dry than like a London dry gin or something like that. But they also have a Navy strength version of it, which Navy stuff is you know, in my heart because T was in the Navy and he actually got to do the splicing the main brace, which was like a thing that the queen would order with Pusser's rum. And it was a pretty cool thing. But um, the Plymouth strength gen has, it's like a 41% ABV. So that's pretty high, but it's a little less dry than regular London gin. So I just wanted to sort of like put that out there and say that's the main difference if you're using a Plymouth gin versus a regular gin. I personally didn't use a Plymouth gin with this. I went with, with McQueen and the Violet Fog because... Of course she did. That's my heart. That's where my heart is. Okay. I'm ready to go. So Brian's ready to like log off. He's out. He's yeah. out. 
For you guys, man, I'm out. See if I get McQueen and the Violet Fog. I mean, for real, that name is awesome. That's it's really my good too. Favorite gin. It's okay. so delicious. Like I don't. I'm not a big gin person in general. Gina loves gin. There's about two, maybe three gins that I can like maybe deal with. There are two gins that I would probably, if this was in a thing on a menu, I would be like, okay, I would order that. (laughs) But for the most part, McQueen and the Violet Vogue, if it was in something on a menu, I'd be like, I'll try that. That would be Uh, a great, yeah, McQueen's great. I'm going to go shopping. Yeah, it is good. I remember the first time she had it, I was actually with her. And she's like, oh, wow, this doesn't suck. And I'm like, yes. And that was tasting it straight. When it doesn't suck tasting it straight, you know it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. All right. So I do. Did you have something else you wanted to say? My favorite will always be blue from Civil Alchemy. But I did have it with botanist gin this time just to shake things up a little. I do like botanist. That's my second. It was actually pretty good. The botanist is pretty good, and it's actually made by a Scotch distiller in Scotland, the Brookladdie Distillery. I love how you know all this shit. That's yeah. Amazing. She, okay, you'd think I'd be the one who research all this shit, but she is a closet Aspie. I'm sure. <laughs> um, or a closet boozy. Or a closet boozy. That works, too. It's okay. one of those things. <laughs> okay. So I want to get started, and I'm really, really excited to talk about your thing, which is this amazing book. I kind of looked through some of the things. I think this whole, like, director, realtor, author is sort of a lot of not at all the same thing. So what made you think to yourself, oh, shit, I'm going to write a book? (laughs) (laughs) You know what it was? was, Okay, so anytime, this this is the closet Aspie in me. (laughs) <laughs> Anytime I do something, I need to codify it. And so when I started doing real estate, I just kept, kept taking notes on like things that worked. And I you know, called them rules. And they were just things that everybody knows, like location, location, location. And right, right. some people just didn't. It's not that they didn't know. I sort of like articulated it, like the whole notion of like there are three phases to a negotiation. And then you approach each of them differently. Those Those sorts of things. And I just, you know, I'd keep these notes. And, then, you know, at the time I, I I was dating, but I wasn't really interested in our relationship. I had had a really kind of disgusting divorce. So it took me a while to get ready. And I think what happened was I turned the corner and I got ready. And in that, my subconscious was saying, okay, well, how are you going to do this? Because obviously you were shitty at picking the, you know, the one you divorced from. Maybe you could do it better the next time. And I just connected the dots. And it's like, oh, my God, the same process I'm advising my clients to do, you know, when it comes to buying or selling a house. If I apply those rules, I wonder if they would work to finding a partner. And wouldn't you know it? They do. Well, I I liked seeing some of the, like, I liked seeing some of the different things in there. But, I mean, I was like. There's there's 99 rules. That's a lot of rules. That's a lot of rules even for real estate, I thought. Well, like, let's be fair. It's actually 98 because I doubled up on one of them. Oh, well, there you go. That's no problem. Okay. That's yeah. 98 if that's no problem. If yeah. there's a slight difference, it still qualifies as a new rule. Sure. 
Yeah, some of them are really splitting hairs to get the difference. And I wasn't really aiming for 99 or 98 or anything. It just sort of came out. I was the, I it came out as 98 and I'm like, "Well, 99 sounds better. I'll double one." <laughs> awesome. That didn't okay, sound that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll try a few cuts of that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we already decided that I was going to be Johnny Carson. She's going to be Ed McMahon. So she's oh, going to go. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay. Do you feel like depending on your gender or your sexual persuasion that these rules have changes or is it like just straight across the board for everybody? You know, I try to make it as straight across the board as possible. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a pretty heterosexual guy, so it's kind of hard for me to understand the point of view of somebody who's either not heterosexual or not male. But, you know, I try, and I I sent the book out to my circle, and my circle, weirdly, is comprised of a lot of of women and more than a few non-heterosexual people. And I didn't get any red flags, like, you know, this doesn't apply or this doesn't work or whatever. So I'm kind of happy about that. Okay, I'm very glad that you um, crowdsourced. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great thing. It should be so. Go you, <laughs> right? Like, like when it came down to when it came down. To, uh, all right, so I know that you worked on this. I know that you found some success. What were some of the things that you feel like the readers? Somebody who was reading your book would be like, what the actual fuck? The, how does that even work? What was something that would be really surprising for people? <sighs> wow, that's actually a really good question. Um, I think it's, there's a couple of fundamental things that most people do when they approach dating. And maybe it's because I've gotten a lot older and I don't do these things. But this thing that you know you see in these movies that people present that love just happens. You know what? Like the cute meat thing? Yeah. You it's, don't believe in cute meat? But it's also it's also meat cute. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, meat cute. That's what it is. Yeah. I had sorry, I'm pedantic. I had to correct. No, okay. thank you for correcting me. You're right. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> I'm actually just pretending like I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing in the movie where the girl falls down and the guy runs over to pick her up and they're like, Oh. Oh, that has that is a like a, a def, okay, that yeah, that's, that's a thing. called meat cute. Got it. Okay. She's right, meet cute. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's this, like notion that you know, fate is going to take a hand. Yeah, fate is going to take a hand, but you got to do the stuff to set it up. Okay, let me put it in perspective of the cute meet, meet cute, meet cute, meet cute, meet cute. <laughs> if you're if you're the cute girl and you're falling down in the place where nobody viable is in the area, then the person you meet isn't going to make a really good potential partner. So (laughs) the point that I make in the book is you got to set it up so that you're in the best position to fall in love. You can't control falling in love. Shit. I mean, so what you're saying is fall down where there's lots of cute people. (laughs) Exactly. Find out where the cute people are, narrow it down to the ones you're interested in having a long-term relationship and then fall down. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's a good call. I think and, that's a really good call. 
And it's kind of the same thing with houses. It's like if you're looking for a three-bedroom house, don't go looking at lofts because you're going to fall <laughs> in love with them and you're going right. to end up getting divorced. It sucks. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I have to say, by the definition you guys have been carrying on, my parents actually had a meet cute. And, and I'm not saying it can't work. Oh, I'm no. The odds are wicked, wicked hard against it. But it's a it's a hilarious story. That that's the only. Re- it's like the exception that proves the rule. Um, I don't um, think that you and John the Brit had a meet cute. Well, I will get to that in a moment, actually, because there is more to that. Because my parents um, met the first day of my mom's first day of high school, and she literally fell down the stairs. This oh. was like 1951. <laughs> she so literally just like you. She's just like, yeah, she's as clumsy as I am. I had to get it from somewhere because my dad was graceful. But she literally fell down the stairs into the basement of the high school, uh-huh. and my dad was the only one laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow my mom looked I up. Love your dad laughed. He was like, oh, all the other boys were rushing over to help the pretty girl up, and mom looked somehow looked at the only laughing jackass in the basement and went, I'm marrying him someday. And she literally <laughs> did. And t- six years later, they got married. Okay. And that's it, funny as fuck. Because... It was a m- marvelous marriage. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if you listened to the episode where we find out how I met John the Brit. And this is why this does not qualify as a meet cute. We made the same joke to Jill on the same day. Literally. That's and- it was about Red Dwarf, some stupid British show that I never even watched. I don't even know anything about it. But they literally both said the exact, like, same thing. And I was like, okay, this has obviously got to happen. It's a brilliant British sci-fi show. But, yeah, she said, she went to him and said, next time you come to the U.S. Because he used to come to the U.S. a couple times a year to visit. And she goes, next time you come by, you I have so many. And see us. <laughs> And then she said that to me, and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? I just got out of a marriage. I'm not interested. And she goes, listen, if you guys get along, you get a lot of great vacations. If you don't, he goes to another country. You never see him again. It's a win-win, right? Completely logical. Perfect. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. So let's go back to the important part of that story. Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf. Okay. You know things about Red Dwarf, but... It sounds like sort of a Gimli thing to me, and I'm like, Red Dwarf. It probably had something to do with the character Cat, I'm guessing, because he, Danny John Jules is a god. Okay. I don't even know, but it was like whatever you said was almost literally verbatim what he said, and I was like, what the actual fuck just happened? (laughs) So is this this show kid appropriate? Um, Not. No. It usually can be, but it's not always. It it depends on if um, Lister's going on about Christine Kachansky. If he is, you might want to skip it. If not, totally okay. good. All right. So I've been, been binging um, Doctor Who, and we're kind of oh, oh my god, oh. just triggered her. We're never gonna get to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> I can name all the doctors in order, including non-canon. Anyway, but there's a whole other. <laughs> 
We'll just have I, to have you back for the Doctor Who show that we do next time. Yeah, we did a sci-fi episode, but we'll have to do a dedicated Doctor Who one because I'm not done with you know David what? Tennant. You know what? on that one because Millie freaking loves Doctor Who. Did you know that? Your daughter is fantabulous. You should so, talk with her about that when you go back upstairs. Uh, but I, For those I, of you listening, Millie is visiting Gina right now. And um, so I think that you and... You and Millie should have a condo. All right. So, Brian, how old is your son? He's 12. Oh, he can totally watch Red Dwarf. Not a problem. Okay. Oh, yeah. That would so, be all right. So golden. Doctor? What's that? Who's your favorite doctor? <sighs> you know, it's really hard. She, she likes David Tennant. It's not that hard. David Just- Tennant's probably my favorite, but Tom Baker and John Pertwee are also very well up there, as well as Christopher Echocakes, as I call him, yeah, because he's my secret David boyfriend. Tennant. But she likes David Tennant the most because he almost looks a little bit like the handsome version of John the Brit. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Christopher um, Christopher Eccleson, who looks kind of like John the Brit. Okay. You're thinking a ten. Nine is the one. David Tennant looks kind of like him. I actually do. Yeah, oh. I do. A little bit. Like if if John was handsome and okay i think he's darling i'm not saying he's not handsome i'm just saying if he was like movie star handsome just we've say got enough, we've got enough topic we I have gotten off topic david Tennant is kind of dreaming david Tennant, he is amazing yeah. and you know he's married to the fifth doctor's daughter you've got to oh. be fucking kidding me Nope, he's married to Georgia Davidson, who is Peter Davidson's um, daughter, who was the successor to the most popular American Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Peter Davidson immediately followed him. He's married to Georgia Davidson. And she was in an episode of the Doctor Who that may, I'm not positive, but that might even be how they met. The episode, The Doctor's Daughter, she played the one that they took his DNA from to make a new doctor. All right. Well, I feel like you're messing with us now, and we need to get back on topic. <laughs> we need to because I wanted to ask about Good Omens because <laughs> it's brilliant. Good Omens is amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. Well, but before we do that, we can do that at the end. Okay. <laughs> but we have to because Good Omens is my job. Amazing. Good Omens <laughs> is actually a really good show. <laughs> My job, though, is to keep us on task. I'm Johnny Carson. Sorry. So, I'm Ed McMahon. <laughs> She's Ed McMahon. I want to ask you, Brian. Can I be Raquel Welch then? Absolutely. Yeah, you could totally be Raquel Welch. You know that story, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Keep going. I do. Plus, Raquel is like with yeah. the wings and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. She was uh, one of the posters right. on the wall. In the original Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption novella by Stephen King. Stop. <laughs> okay, Uncle Geeking, I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to you, Joe. I'll shut up now. All right. So can... here's the thing. Here's what I want to know. As a dude, most of the time, dudes aren't giving, like, dating advice. How are you feeling like this is received well? Are you feeling like people are, like fuck you, dude. We don't even know you. <laughs> What's going on with this? You know what? I think it's, it's it depends on what you're after. I mean, <clears throat> most dudes aren't qualified to give True. relationship advice because, because they're, they're qualified to give. Yes, they're qualified to give. Let 
how do I get laid advice? That's not what this is. <laughs> this is not how to get laid. You're right. I'm not qualified to write that book. <clears throat> you are stereotyping so bad. <laughs> I'm going to be a dick, but I'm going to say just looking at you, I agree with that. Yeah. And, I mean, I, like, and it's not like I'm not being a dick about this. No, like, it's, I really enjoy you, and I think we're probably going to have you on a lot more. However, <laughs> I, awesome. I got more drinks to recommend. Oh my god, if you have more drinks, we're so having you on more. Oh hell yeah. But Fuck yeah. I will say that I don't see you as that whole like I'm the virile, like let me show you all the girls I can conquer kind of person. Yeah, it's never been my thing. And and I kind of think of it I mean when I would went through the divorce, I was I sort of tried to embrace being single and I'm not I'm kind of a serial monogamist. I mean I like relationships. Sure. So you know, I don't need, I, yeah, sure would be nice to have like a belt with notches or whatever it is that guys have, but it's not, that's not me. I just like, but I do value a partner that I can, you know, like be at ease with and share my things with and not feel vulnerable, you know, exposing myself to. And that's what this is about for me. And I'm hopeful that it's, that's, that's my audience. That's who I wrote it for. Right awesome. on. I think that's Touchdown. amazing. Touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame. i think that's awesome and i think that's something that a lot of people don't really think about when they think of like dudes dating no and and i'll say it has to do with like being a little bit older in your life being a little like i don't know if you're as old as me but i'll say that it has to do with being more set in your ways and you've got kids and you've got your life kind of in order and you're like these are the things I have in my life and these are the things I want going forward and you can recognize the things that you want in a partner so being able to use these tools these house hunting tools to find the partner that you want I think that's kind of brilliant actually to say these are the things that this is how the house hunting part translates to the people part I think that's very, very insightful. And I do think that this sounds like something that guys don't really think about. Like this is much more um, girl-centric in a lot of ways. Maybe. I mean, is that a I, shitty I, thing to say? No, I think yeah, there's a stereotype. And I think historically guys are more about let me get laid and girls are more about, you know, I want to look for a relationship. I got to tell you, I, the thing that made me kind of like fed up with the whole dating scene was that it was the inverse. You know, my, my guy friends were all like, I'm looking for something solid. And, and the women I'd meet were all like, I'm just looking to get laid. What are you doing tonight? Wow. I, and you know, I'm sorry. It, 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 I don't want to demean that, but it's just after a while, I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. Right. Do you think some of that has to do with the fact that women are trying to take back their power? Absolutely. And I think a lot of it is life stage, too. You know, when you've gone through most of the people that I'm encountering, because of my filters, I have children. I have a special needs child. I am, you know, I'm I'm geared toward the relationship thing. So I'm eliminating from possibility all those people who don't fit my sort of set of criteria. And what I'm ending up kind of encountering is a lot of you know, women who are going through divorces or, you know, one of the things that's kind of a deal breaker on my list is 
somebody that I'm with has to either have kids or really understand what it is to me to have kids because that's that's it. That's my main priority. So a lot of the people that I'm encountering are like, all right, I am suddenly free after 14 years of marriage. Let's go get, you know, let's go get naked and make, you know, make the sign of the eight wings. <laughs> sign of the devil as we do it on the nighttime thing. On your Ouija board rug. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, I Sorry. think the thing about that is that, so, <sighs> moving back to the questions. <laughs> God, you're good at this. She is. That's why she's always as, never. <laughs> as you started thinking about this and you tested this on yourself and you're like going through, here's my 99 questions and here's my 99 requirements and here's all of this stuff. How did that go? Like, did you feel like I have found the person that fit all of my things or were you willing to sacrifice two things for seven things uh, is it a is it a compromise or are you willing to just say no fuck that i'm sticking with this this is what i'm going for okay so that's kind of two questions in one and i'm going to sort of break them apart all right the first question is there's i wrote 99 rules and the 99 rules include stuff that you do as a seller stuff that you do as a buyer stuff that you do in negotiations how do you make sure that your deal closes you know those things and so it's a process. And in that process, I have this girlfriend. We've been together for probably about five months. We're not all the way through it because we haven't, you know, set the date and closed the transaction and all that. But we're on our way. I mean, so far, no big red flags. Wait, I got a question. Yeah. Are you going to close the transaction? Are you, like, ready to go get the ring and be like, here you go, baby? Yes and no, because one of the really important rules is, I always tell my clients, don't just see a place once. See it at different times of day, and if you can, at different times of the year. Because you got to understand. So I think with people, it's like you got to know what they're like at the holidays with their family around. you got to know what that. they're like when they got to do their fucking taxes. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been together every single day for four months, but I still haven't seen her over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, but you may not get that chance. I mean, do you have to make the choices if you're buying a house, you have to make the choices because somebody else might move in. And that's where this is actually in a better, you know, it's like, I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. So we can keep this going. And it's also like, you know, we're old enough. We're not going to have more kids. She's had hers. I've had mine. Right. So there's no rush to that. So is there a chance, though, that the family could kill the deal? Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing. You know, and one of the, you know, it's like one of the rules is in real estate, your house won't your lender won't finance the purchase unless you have an appraisal that qualifies the house has to appraise for more than the, the amount of the loan so right. the, the sort of the the analog when it comes to dating is you know if your friends and family don't think this person's worthwhile you really have to pay attention what if which they, is what i didn't do the first time but you know oh no i i feel you yeah. um so i guess um I guess let me put the question this way. When my husband met my Aunt Betty, oh, he, shit. Still, he still no, decided no, no. to marry me anyway. Time out. Aunt Betty is a completely different 
situation. Aunt Betty is like the zoning board who <laughs> might be ready to take your house and say, I'm sorry, this is only zoned commercial. <laughs> Aunt Betty's a complete bitch. <laughs> is there a chance an Aunt Betty could ruin a deal? I guess I, I, I know I'm going off script. I apologize. But I know, yeah, my brother and sister are both kind of difficult people and they have managed to be married to lovely people longer than I could and I think of myself as a pretty accommodating guy so go figure (laughs) you do seem very very awesome but I'm going to shut up and let Jill do the questions because she's much better at it than I am do you feel like there's one (laughs) this is kind of related and kind of not related do you think there's one if you had to pick, like, out of your 99, which does seem like a lot, out of your 99 <laughs> rules, do you think there's one rule that's, like, if I had to just pick one rule, like, this is the rule that I'm picking, and this is the one that absolutely is the rule to follow, what's the one ru- rule that rings true? Oh, uh, I would have to say, well, there's two. Can I just say, can I make it two? All right, the- you can have two. I will give you two, but not three. The first one is the beginning one, which is you have to commit to committing, which means you have to really want to have a relationship and you have to do what it takes to get one. And you'll figure out the path. I mean, I wrote this book as a way to figure out the path for me. And like anything else, I mean, in career, they find spouses, they find pets, whatever. I mean, it's only when you've actually said to yourself, no, this is something I really want that you set about making it happen. And at the other side of it, the end of it is, I think it's the last rule, which is express your gratitude every single fucking day. Appreciate how goddamn hard it was to get this thing. Because, yeah, you know, if your spouse or partner or whatever leaves a bowl in the sink and it drives you nuts, weigh that against what the things they do that make you so grateful. you got to remember that shit. Honestly, I would say, and this is just me congratulating myself, I do a great <laughs> job with that. I tell T all the time, I love you so much. You're everything to me. And I don't give a shit that he left a bowl in the in the sink. I just yeah. tell him how much he means to me and that his contribution to our life is so important. That's the yeah. thing I talk to him about. And with Millie, too, like, Millie is, like, she's not my spouse or anything, but I talk to her about how important she is to my life. I think it's important to bring your kids into this and say, you're important, and you are the person who is the most important person to me. You mean everything to me, and I would do anything for you. And whatever you need, I'm here for. So as you're working with your spouse, as you're working with your partner, as you're working with your child, those are the things that you have to kind of look at. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. The first time John the Brit said, I love you, he said, I love you and your weird little daughter. (laughs) That's true. He did. That's so beautiful. I know. She did have a weird little daughter. Nina was a complete weirdo, and I loved her for everything. 
Oh, yeah. She's still weird, but she's awesomely weird. I do have a question for you, though, Brian. (laughs) How does this work with our current situation, like Mm. social distancing and all of that shit? How does this, like, figure in with that? You know, I don't, I think maybe what it does is it slows down the process, but I think that's actually a good thing. I mean, when people go on first dates and you end up, you know, fooling around in the alleyway behind the bar, I think <laughs> that once, and there was this cop on a horse. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Yeah. She's I had a much know, different I'm life. a big believer that love is a biological <laughs> mechanism, or in love is anyway. And your mind gets fucked up by this, you know, like the dopamine or serotonin or whatever the hell those things yeah. are. And you make what could be really kind of long term decisions based on short term pleasure. And the situation we're in now kind of helps make that not happen as much. So do you think it's actually better? Well, I think it is. Let's take advantage of the circumstances we're in. Because on balance, is it better to do what we're doing now? I don't know. That's very astute. Really? Thank you. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's... This is the situation we're in, and this is how we can kind of test things through it. And that's very appropriate. I would say apropos and kick back to the French Pearl drink. Oh, but you did that. Oh, oh, girl, look what she did. Thank you. <laughs> Every once in a while, I nail so we it. ask really quick before oh. we wrap up, though. Where can our listeners find your amazing book? Because I'm confident they're going to want to know how they can use real estate rules to find their spouse. Well, if if your listeners want to find the book, I would so appreciate it if they would go to the website that I set up, which is spousehunting.net. And you're probably asking yourself right now, why .net? Because you don't want to do something this important without a net. Oh, right? oh a net. I know. Also, dot .com was taken, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I like your workaround. That was awesome. Nicely. Okay. Yeah. So I feel the need to ask something. I always ask people when I am doing a direct examination, which some oh, attorneys. Oh, my God. I just got. Ugh, or when she's short. super trashed. Oh, right. I'm super trash. But I said direct examination and not cross-examination. So you're safe. You're on my side. Because I can only cross-examine opposing witnesses. That's bad, guys. And this is actually an incredibly lazy direct examination question, but I'm going to answer it. Is there any question I should have asked you that that I have not asked you thus far? Wow, I wish I was prepared for that question. (laughs) Right? I saw. Is there any question you should have asked me that you didn't? Yeah, you should ask me, oh. hey, Brian, what are those other drinks that you. <laughs> oh, yes, because we're going to have to have you on for more drinks. And that's going to be oh, yes. the answer. I will tell so, you next time. So, our friend Rexy is our, um, we'll call her our podcast dating expert. We will have to have you on with her in the future, and you guys can talk about all the ways that dating can be um, beneficial after divorce. 
I love that. I would feel like such a like poser because I'm <laughs> totally so no expert. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. you're obviously not a poser because you wrote a book. And if I nothing. cited that in the brief, it would be, you know, secondary authority. Yeah, exactly. She knows nothing. We know nothing. We just fucking make it up as we go. Making the shit up. So, yeah. So we'll take your extra new drinks. You can send us more drinks and we will like make them gin. No, not gin. Not gin. (laughs) Make it whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey. As long as it's not scotch. I'm going to tell you the story. No, no. Bourbon's the best. (laughs) Oh, wait. What's the Tell us now. No, no, next time. No, tell us. No, tell us now. Tell us a story about what? Best old fashioned I ever had. Yes. Oh my God. Old fashions are my favorite. Oh God. It's yeah. Girl, whatever. All right. So. Anyway. I'm not going to give you the preamble, but it's a really long story. But I ended up in Cape Town like two years ago. South Africa's Cape Town? Yeah, and it cost me nothing. Like the whole trip cost me 250 bucks. It's fucking amazing. Anyway, oh, they have these trouble with us. Let's you, go. You're All leaving right. us on a lurch. Well, no. I know, right? So. I ended up going on, they have these free walking tours all over Cape Town, and I stumbled onto one, and I, you know, the tour ended, the next one was going, and the next one was a culinary tour. I'm like, let's go! So we went on this culinary tour, and we ended up in this bar, and the bar had the sign-ups, like, they're famous for their old fashions, and I'm like, we're like 8,000 miles from, like, Tennessee or wherever whiskey comes from. (laughs) Give me the old-fashioned, let's see what you can do. They did this thing where they took a torch to American Maple, Oh. The guy torched the maple, made the smoke come up, put the glass over the maple so so the smoke would infuse the glass. Smoke so fast. Holy shit! It was so fucking good. I can do that. Oh, I didn't have to go all the way to Cape Town. We both have smoke guns. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. Dallas man, I will hook you up. All right, I'm on it. Let's do it. <laughs> you don't even have to go to Cape Town. It's a much shorter trip. There you go. There you go. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, having discussed this a number of times, and by this I mean dating after divorce (laughs) and how to meet people, I actually think this is a great episode for all of our single listeners or anybody looking to sell a house because, especially if you live in Portland, Brian's your dude. Oh, heck yeah. Um, You know, for the Portland listeners, we have... Just found you an excellent realtor. You're welcome. Yeah, for sure. And an excellent human being. You're welcome. Avi, I think you guys will find him again on our show later. Please. Awesome. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> We're all the awesomest, the three of us. So awesome. <laughs> Anyway, the website's alwaysneverwrite.com. You can find the topics for each episode along with the recipe for the beverage, which Brian introduced to us. And you'll find all of the links to Brian's pages on there as well as his book. And the Contact Us page has all of the ways you can contact us or Brian. So if you have advice, ideas, topics, questions you want answered, drink suggestions, whatever... Just use one of those ways to get in touch or email or slide into the DMs or hit us up on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, 
Since you know how to find us, you should plan to spend a little quality time telling your friends why they should listen to us, because as we have established, we're awesome. Okay, Um, and they can find us wherever they get their digital media. And finally, absolutely, one thousand percent, we want to thank our special guest, Brian. You're fucking phenomenal. Thank you so much. Author of Spouse Hunting. I love saying the title of this book. It's so fun. Spouse Hunting, Using the Rules of Real Estate to Find the Love of Your Life. You can find the book on Amazon. And you'll find the website at spousehunting.net. And it's full of cool resources. And thank you so much, really, truly, for being with us today, Brian. This has been a fucking blast. It has been a blast. Thank you guys so much. This has actually been a logically romantic episode of Always. Never. Right. I'm Jill. (laughs) And I'm Gina. And thank you so much for making us a part of your week. And we'll talk more next week, my dolls. And thank you for joining us on the Podfix Network. You like the way I ended that? I love the way. Oh my that's really good. I like the breathy part. That was so. Wow. Funny. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Boom. So that was so fun. Standard disclaimer. Always never write is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guilty as sin assholes.